0: Think of any of them. Oh, <sighs> I'll be watching Stew. Every breath you take, yeah. remove yeah. your face. I'll be watching Stew. I kind of spaced out. You. Not even drunk. This is w- weird. Uh,
1: would you say is weird or is it a little strange? Boo! <laughs> and welcome. To the Down Front Podcast. How's it going, losers? Woo!
2: Yeah. Yay!
1: We are excited. We are pumped. I am here with a few of my best friends. And But before we do that, we are the Down Front Podcast. I'm your host, Warren. And here, what we do is normally review some movies, some TV shows, maybe some games, talk about some butts. Like, nothing crazy. The typical Saturday <laughs> or Monday night stuff. And uh, we're going to have some fun. And tonight, I'm super pumped because I have been waiting a long time to talk about this show with you guys, Stranger Things 2, on Netflix. And I'm super excited. But before we do that, before we get into all that, we have to set some ground rules. Let's talk about some stuff. But, Bryland, uh, how's it going? Hey, how's it going tonight? Uh, good, good. I miss your face. Uh, mouth of the oh. South. Oh, uh, Mr. Bryland, and, uh, what are you uh, sipping on and what you been
3: watching? I'm sipping on uh some cool refreshing H two O in my Enzo Mori WWE glass, as <laughs> usual. You're showing it up. It's not a visual podcast, but still is- <laughs> If if anybody could see this, it was a WWE uh glass with a microphone on it that has like a fuzzy a- handle. A cup of water. <laughs> a cup of water? <laughs> And what I've been watching recently is I watched SmackDown for the first time in like probably a month because SmackDown has been, uh, WWE SmackDown has been kind of meh recently. But this past weekend was awesome because they actually put the belt on a wrestler that's really good instead of Jinder Mahal who's making the belt feel uh, just undeserved and antiquated they put on AJ Styles so it sets up an amazing match against AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar for the pay-per-view it's gonna be amazing nice I don't uh, watch wrestling so I'm not sure who those people
2: are but I haven't watched it in a while but that's kind of exciting Jinder Mahal has been a very dry annoying
3: champion
1: yeah
3: and AJ Styles is probably the best wrestler in WWE period well, oh, I mean, with a name like AJ Styles, he has to be. Sure, but he's also like
2: one-tenth the size of Brock Lesnar, so that'll be an interesting match. <laughs> it will be an interesting match. <laughs>
1: well, all right, well, as always, I'm excited for your uh, wisdom, and I'm also excited for your beautiful face. So thank you for hanging out, as always, tonight. Uh, I want to toss it over to the man who needs no introduction, yet we still will give him one, the Shredder, Mikhail
0: Bluito. Mm. How's it going? That is my name in American. Yes, it is.
1: Uh, yes,
0: it is. I've been uh, speaking Portuguese I... the whole time. What's oh, up? That's weird. So far, uh, what
1: have you been sipping on? And what are you watching?
0: Yeah, so right now I'm sipping on the same drink as Brown, although out of a different glass because we are not in the same room together. Ha ha ha. So and it's water. It's water. Fun fact. Um, what I've <laughs> what I've been watching. Well, I I don't have the ability to like binge. Or, like, watch multiple things really at once. So, realistically, I watched Ragnarok and then I started watching Stranger Things, and that's about all the time I had this week. Um, so, nothing. Cool.
1: <laughs> 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 all right. Well, uh, as always, it's great to see your face. Uh, hopefully, that we can also kind of link up so that we can actually see your face in person. But, you know, won't mm-hmm. hold my breath.
0: Uh, I'm again
1: the beautiful host of the highly successful Fear Boners. Andrew
2: Abbott, how's it going, man? That's me. It's going well. I enjoy sharing my boners with people. Thank you. And I think you know, having I'm here with Warren. We're sitting together in the same room, not drinking out of the same glass, but we are romantically splitting a bottle of wine. Yes, yeah. Uh it's it's a nice red. Um I'm drinking it out of my Mason jar mug from Dick's Last Resort. Mostly just because it says Dick's on it. Um to up the romantic uh nature of this rendezvous. Um But yeah, I I uh, was telling Warren I got into watching a little bit more anime so I've been watched a little bit of this and that, I finally got around to finishing Naruto, which took me like forever, which is not really an accomplishment, but glad I got it out of the way. (laughs) Um, And then besides that, we've just been watching Simpsons for the last couple hours to brush up for the upcoming Simpsons trivia that's happening in Somerville next week. I'm going to be out of town for it, but I hope my team demolishes everybody else. Um, And yeah, that's what I've been up to.
3: Go Team Abbott.
2: (laughs) What's the team name? Um, we always have a different name because oh, okay. the teams that always keep their names are the ones that always win, and we never win. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's just that's just a sad story, isn't it? Warren, can you smell the fear of the fear boners? Being that I, close to Abbott every day. That's just
1: because I don't wash my jeans regularly.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say that's indicative of something else. <laughs>
1: Uh, thank you, as always. Uh, I'm super pumped to have you on as well. You've been on a, a streak, you've been on a roll, as they call it. A skid mark? Yes, there, there you go. Uh, so, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, I am Warren, I am your host, and uh, I am also sharing this beautiful bottle of uh, whatever buck Chuck. It's like $5 now, like it's supposed to be 2 but whatever. Uh, but it's a nice little cab from from uh, Trader Joe's, so thank you so much for Trader Joe's. For I time. didn't realize it's called Chuck because the guy, it's Charles.
3: Yes. Yeah that's great (laughs) (laughs) so it's not the guttural sound you make after you're drinking it yeah i thought it was that or you just like (laughs) you're done drinking
1: it it's not too bad i mean it's definitely not too bad um but uh, i think very smooth wine i mean something we definitely have before uh it's literally three dollars sometimes maybe four or five depending on where you are uh maybe two depending on where you are so i would say it's like definitely a wine that you, you can't go too wrong. Or, probably is a great wine, you can make mold wine out of. And it's definitely come up to the holidays times for that. So definitely kind of keep an eye out for that. Um, and for me, I've actually been on the same sort of train. I've watched a couple things here and there. Nothing, nothing new. I need to start Mindhunter, and I need to start these other shows that's on Netflix. It just hasn't had the uh, chance to it actually started. But did actually get super excited. It was like one of those moments you turn the t- channel right to HBO and this movie starting. And you're like, oh, I don't know what movie this is. And then I love me some Leonardo DiCaprio. And I love Tom Hanks. And they're both in Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. And this, movie's great. this movie's great. This movie's absolutely great. So uh, I got a chance to kind of watch that. I just literally sat there and rewatched it. It's like the middle of the day. So is a great watch. It's very fun. Lots of people are in that movie. Lots of cameos. It's you know, amazing. we should have them
2: both on the podcast. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, this official invitation, Leo, Tom. I mean, Tom, you're running right for president, so, I mean, this is going to only really help you. Uh, definitely, we will love to have you on the show. Uh, we'll review some of your movies that you've won Oscars for or not. It's okay.
3: Um, and I'm super pumped about that. So. We uh, for the, the Volcano Review coming up.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go
3: bachelor party
2: bachelor party review oh god uh, I'm not gonna
1: spoil catch me if you can although that movie is over like 10 years old
2: does he get it's a great movie
1: I mean it's based on a true story yeah uh, loosely based on a true story I'm assuming uh, I but, mean aren't we all loosely based on a true story I like that
0: also spoiler alert I haven't seen it
1: <laughs> okay well this is the perfect time for me to not spoil this movie uh, but it's a definitely a great, great film. Um, I think it really kind of just talks through, ties into it. It's a, a lot, it's a very fun sort of uh, adventure, sort of mystery almost, too. And it's very interesting how this guy or this kid ends up kind of just doing the things that he does. So I would definitely suggest it. Um, probably one of my top movies that have both of them in it. Is that the only movie that both of them are? Maybe. I think so. Maybe, yeah. No, I don't know. Unless he was a savior, Kevin Ryan as an extra. No, nah. no. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been watching. Yeah, just kind of hanging out. I'm super pumped to really kind of talk a lot about Stranger Things with our entire cast that we have from last year. Now we actually come in from this year. We're super pumped. It dropped out sometime in August, and a lot of people have been. Talking about, you know, should we binge? It? Should we try to give us some time to breathe? We're not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm kind of pumped and I'm super pumped to kind of talk about this, uh, this actual show. It's only nine episodes. And so we actually get one more than we actually got last year. So it was actually pretty interesting. I was super pumped about that. I didn't know how many show episodes it was until it ended. And I was like, oh, well, all right, I finished, it. Well, I finished this all in one night, so I was super pumped about that. Then I rewatched it again throughout this past week, and so that was fun. Uh, but before we get into talking about Stranger Things, you want to give you guys a small, quick break. Because if you haven't seen it, we will be spoiling everything about Stranger Things Season 1 and Season 2. We don't know what else is going to happen after this, but I would definitely suggest pausing the show we're gonna give you a moment to take a breather, go binge it. it takes about like maybe four, five, eight, ten hours, uh, and then come on back, and then we will pick up where we left off. So we will see you soon for our entire review, spoilers and all, of Stranger Things Part Two. we're coming back to you we are talking about stranger things 2 on netflix and i'm pumped i'm going to toss it over and give it the reins down in africa to bryland <laughs> and say bryland tell me things since you actually really liked in
3: some way that you have for stranger things 2 uh the entire series yeah so this season like season one was all Was all about this group of kids and how they came together to confront these supernatural events happening in their town. And it was really, and you had some really interesting side characters like Steve and John, these older kids uh, that were in the periphery. But it was really cool to see uh, someone like Steve come out front and actually kind of steal the season two away from everybody else, especially when he uh, teamed up with Dustin. That's like one of the best romances I've seen in TV this season. Um, when Steve grabs his bat that has all the nails on it, it just reminded me of like kind of like this is like a teenage version of Evil Dead. Yeah. They're about to walk around and just like kick uh, some ass, or it even reminded me of like movies like Monster Squad or The Goonies. Uh, just seeing Steve and Dustin team up, I could see like a whole uh, side ep- a side season or side series <laughs> starring them and just their wacky hijinks, but also like teenager to adolescent mentorship. Um, I also liked how uh, Will got more screen time this time. I think he actually created probably the best anti-smoking campaign when the big smoke monster just was just driving into his face. That was nuts. That yeah. actually carried over for two episodes, and it was just like, keeps on coming, and he's just freaking out over that. And granted you should freak out over that absolutely but he had some really cool uh, moments like the whole idea of the spy among them uh was really neat that even though he was still acting like they're on their on their side when um the mind flayer is actually inside of him, uh he's saying like he can hear and stuff so he's like kind of trying to protect his friends but also is Interesting to see, like, hey, he's also the one trying to fuck up their plans to take out the mind flare as well. Um, it was uh, really cool to uh, uh, see uh, Sean Astin as Bob. Bob was really cool, nice new character. The, to see a new love interest for Winona Ryder's character, and it was really cool because he's like a definitely a foil to Harper. He's not the tough machismo guy. He's like He's the nerd. He's the um, Radio Shack nerd that like probably put circuit boards together and grew up doing that. And he like was probably like uh, Dustin or one of these kids. Like he even started the Hawkins High School AV club, which they all belong to. Yeah. Which was really neat. And he was probably in that high school, like seeing one um, under the writer's character from afar and just like idolizing her and just like obsessing over her in high school the whole time and he finally got to be with her which was really cool. Yeah,
1: I really like that thought scene because it also alluded to the fact that it seems as though like Hopper and uh, Joyce Byers or Nona Ryder's character it looked like they they probably had made fun of him like while they were still in school. Um and they were definitely alluding to the fact that they knew each other and I guess nobody leaves um Hawkins, Hawkins, thank you. So nobody leaves Hawkins, but they definitely were alluding to some things. I thought was also pretty cool, like some kind of undertones, some jokes, and like how they were like sharing cigarettes and like skipping like certain periods of class and things like that. And um, I just like the fact that he just, well, much like he was talking about Bradley, he gave a, a huge, different sort of dynamic, like a supporting dynamic that we really. Arguably, we didn't see at all in the first season and this second season he's the only person that's a father character that seems to care like a role model so we 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 could talk about him and hopper yeah. and differences between how they chose to um be that parent like be that role model be that figure uh but it was just great to see that you know he just embraced it I thought that was pretty
3: cool, yeah and it was interesting because season one hopper is like uh the um He's an adult superhero he's the one that will save the kids in the end not really a role model per se but he's there to help them out and it's cool to see like Bob's like you know what well I'm gonna here to like help you actually guide you the way and stuff uh, and then I thought the school dance was a perfect way to end the season uh, and it uh, definitely showed you like kind of set up like what's going to happen next you got all these new relationships like mike and 11 finally getting together um dustin trying to be the player he can be uh and um lucas and max that was a really nice touching moment that hey you got some couples going on here how are these relationships gonna affect the the uh, dungeon party going forward yeah um And I would say, like, probably my favorite episode out of the season uh, was, like, the one that actually went off uh, another direction, which was the uh, Lost Sister, where the Chicago episode is interesting to kind of, like, explore uh, the background of, like, where Eleven came from, more about, like, her mother and her past and the revelation that her dad is still alive somewhere that he did not become Demogorgon
0: Chow in the first season. I thought it so was that'll be,
3: I thought that will be a interesting vision. to see how
0: to pull him back into it. I thought that was a vision that like she just said it to get her to unlock that power
3: Uh no that when they were about to kill uh, one of the scientists that worked at the uh, Hawkins plant um, he actually said like hey he's alive Hmm. So he gave up that information on him. Yeah, that'd be, I wonder because
1: that's probably a question that I still have: is was he telling the truth or not? Because we actually that, didn't see. Yeah, yeah, we actually didn't see Papa. We didn't see his character die. We assumed that he died, and we were told by the actual sort of characters in the show that he was dead. But he was pretty adamant to the fact that he wasn't dead. So I'm wondering if there's like another element, like a deeper layer, that we're gonna get into this later on.
3: Yeah. And I mean, the whole idea behind that uh, episode, like meeting uh, eight and how her powers differ from Eleven's and how they can work together to create uh, chaos, but also help a lot. It was, I, I think it's just like, it was a journey that only Eleven could take. The other kids couldn't take this journey just because of her background. It needed to be something kind of dangerous that she actually explored and went into by herself for her to understand all right um i do not want to become this person that lets my emotions control me to act out in rage like how she pulled max's skateboard out from underneath her and i think it started making her think about like what really what does it really matter to uh have friends and what does family mean
1: yeah, I mean, be, I think that's a great point too they even kind of call out uh I I really liked the part when she went to go see Mama and they really tied it directly back to, you know, season 1 when Will is like using the lights to signal um how to communicate and we see that exactly what's happening here and then we also kind of figure out, you know, what's actually going on with her mother and how she was electroshock therapy think called or uh how she was basically was torturing and they that was it. that was kind of a tough moment, but I liked how they actually kind of talked about this is that this really was is happening to her. Like she's living this kind of repetitious sort of dream this entire time, which is very uh, very challenging. Really oh, when you find out difficult.
2: what the bat like the babble she's saying yeah. like means, it puts together the story. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. good. I, mean,
3: but
1: <laughs> I, I just like that they that we see we 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 know that these characters aren't new, right? We've we've been introduced to these characters last season and now we're coming back and we find more information and then we start getting start to explore exactly see what's happening with both of these characters i think it's actually pretty cool yeah
0: Brian a couple things i wish that they showed more of an insight that there was more of them out there like even just teased it a little um yeah, maybe another one that a good show yeah course. i mean just like not even show but just like give a reason why eight was the one that you know she chose to help her out um The other thing was, I thought it was very interesting that you you raised the point where, like, Eleven needed to go down that spiritual journey, where uh, that was the extra episode. You know, like, they they had an eight-episode show, and then they wrote one more that was just Eleven. So I thought that was kind of interesting where they, you know, she was the only one that's gotten a solo episode, for example. Um, But at the end, when she's closing that huge hole... She still goes back to rage. In fact, she uses the lessons that Eight told her. Um, yeah, which is you know one one of the things like there you can't watch a show like this and not think of the Dagobah scenes in Empire. You know, yeah. like when she's trying to pull the you know, all I could see was oh the X wing's too big, it's impossible, um, and so and especially with the lesson of like. In this case, it was draw from your hatred, draw from your, your sadness, and then it will make you pow- more powerful. I really thought they were gonna have like a redeeming moment, and you know, quote unquote, have her go to the light side and think of the the happy moments with Hopper and with Mike and uh, trying to find Will, and that would be like the true source of like a next step up, um, which they didn't do. And I don't know how I feel with that because it still indicates she's like this rage-filled monster, but it also wasn't cliché.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I worry about Mike. I mean, if he breaks her heart, I mean, he's... good
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that's a great call-out, Mike, because I also was thinking about... <sighs> are they going to keep following a lot of the different sci-fi sort of uh, tendencies, tropes that you want? Because... We've seen that, like you said, we've seen that in Star Wars, we've seen it even more recently in The Force Awakens, where instead of, you know, Rey's following her anger, she's following the sense of calm, and that's how she actually becomes more powerful and try to start figuring things out. see Uh, an
3: X-Men first class.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, oh, that's a great, that's actually a a better sort of a, I mean, I like that movie, that was a good movie, but that's a better sort of depiction (laughs) of it too, because that's when he becomes like really calm. Uh, and starts having like more, like just way more powerful. But there's nothing in the show. I mean, like these kids, these uh, these women to their mothers, they were like drug induced and just had tons of different testing. It's you know, I just because she has to draw from the hatred, and that's okay to have that there. Doesn't mean that she's a bad person. She's just going from the ammo and the fuel that is her past, her history. And it's also something interesting to think about it of, well, she's still living with that. And that's still something who, who she is. That's, that's her identity, but it doesn't really sort of define her. Um, and I, I like the fact that she can draw from it, but that doesn't like consume her so far. So I, I I would hope that it stays maybe not so negative, but you really have to tap into that one because season three, that's what we can actually kind of go even more towards, especially if the Papa character is still live, then we can um, see exactly what her powers can actually do. From the fact that instead of using one hand, she uses two. Both her nose starts bleeding. She starts floating in the air. Who knows what she can actually do at that she point? She is super complete powers.
0: Yeah. I did right. like. I did like. She was. She had a a little bit more diverse power set than eight. Like she is clearly the logical next step. You know, and so, like, 8 could only make people see things, but 11 had the telekinetic uh, ability. She also had, uh, you know, the... She was, like, a fully-fledged-out psychic Pokemon, whereas, <laughs> like, 8 could only use, you know, some stupid Mr. Mime trick.
3: 8 so is Mew, and 11's Mew, too.
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm thinking more like... <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they clearly were trying to build them for different reasons, and 8 kind of got, like, mirror move, whereas 11 got confusion, and she got, like, the weird sonar thing where she could find anyone in the dark. It, it would make it interesting, and um, I was reading this beforehand, that they apparently want to do four chapters, and then they're, they're done. So, it'll it'll make it interesting to see if there's a 13, or 14, or... 30 you know like and see if there's someone who they they learn from 11's failures to try and make this one superhuman and see how 11 fares against the better which i'm actually glad that they haven't done a mutant on mutant fight yet just you know i've seen too many terrible x-men movie for that movies to like <laughs> it's
2: gonna x hugh jackman hugh jackman's gonna be like <laughs> 12 <laughs> jacked.
0: He's gonna wear a
3: blonde wig.
2: We <laughs> decided come not to make them like puny little children. We decided to make our psychic, like psychopaths, giant jacked Australian men.
0: Only if he sings it in the same accent as from Les Mis. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a great.
2: That's
3: a great one. Great one. But yeah,
2: if if I was worried in the junkyard scene when they're training that uh, uh, her sister was gonna piggyback her and she was gonna start running around and flipping through the the junk heaps and stuff, and it was gonna be like Poe oh, on Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially because Star. <laughs> I had no idea
1: there. where you were co- I had no idea where you were going with that. I was like, what the fuck? is you- Oh, right, right, right.
2: Well, I'm just taking everybody's points in and then you know punctuating them. Also, the saddest point in the entire series was. In fact, actually, when we find out that Bob works at Radio Shack yeah. and he wants to have a career at Radio Shack, he might have been able to squeeze out maybe 10 or 12 good more years out of that company, but then it ate shit, so he would have been
3: shit out of luck. No, yeah. I mean, Radio Shack in the 80s was a totally different thing than Radio Shack now. I mean, <laughs> first of all, it existed. Um, secondly, <laughs> they, they, they had a lot of stuff for the hobbyist in mind, so you could go in there and buy like individual transistors and individual like diodes and stuff and go home and build like your own FM radio if you wanted to. Yeah, it sounds corny when we have all supercomputers in our pockets, but hey, that was a thing back then.
2: But what about Bob post Radio Shack? What would Bob have done post Radio Shack?
0: He would be the CEO of uh, a Kickstarter project. Yeah, if he was fluent in, in, like, basic, you know, get his job, you get a job being a developer somewhere. The dude had, you know, clearly had skills.
1: Bob the basic.
0: Uh, basic Bob.
1: <laughs> Aw. Uh, Brian, what else you got? Uh, Those are my wins. Cool. Well, uh, I'm going to toss it over
0: to uh, Blueit. How's your boy? Hello. So, uh, I thought a couple things. <laughs> first of all, let's, let's hear it for the greatest douchebag on uh, television, Steve. Um, he, I really liked him from the first season, like, so much that I thought it was one of the best things in the world that um, he went away with the chick in the end, because that never happens. Usually it's like the weird guy, and I actually actively rooted against... Uh, Nancy and Jonathan getting together. Because I was like, what about my boy Steve? Again, like, he he took that 80s douchebag prototype and made it somehow relatable and likable. Um, and the kid killed it from the writing to the acting all the way down. Um, to the hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, couple, a couple things, like, more on the technical side of things. The editing the was unbelievably quick. Like, the, the jump cuts from scene to scene were were, like, very kind of abrupt and, and like, startling in some places. But it, to me, it really worked when they would, like, hard cut from one place to another and you kind of see how the story combined. Uh, now, I'm going to say stuff not so good about the parts that they were actually cutting to, but the I thought the editing and the pacing was fast, but it still maintained some sense of cohesion. Um... I liked the self referentialness of this, where uh, they actually made fun of the dad being useless and um, the romance movie from the mom. Like, she pokes her head up and has the romance novel, you know, book, and then she, like, literally walks out and steps into, you know, this romance novel. Um, My biggest win for me, though, is another technical um, feat. I thought that the lighting in this was unbelievable. Like, there, there was just the color palette they pulled off and ranged from, like, natural, you know, the natural kind of world when they're out and about in the forest. Like, it looked like any Midwestern forest or farm or whatever. Uh, going straight on down through when they were almost, you know, they were in the uh, elevator going down to the upside down with that huge rift and it, pretty much the entire thing was either rendered CGI or a very good matte painting in the background. And, and like, they really just spanned that bridge in between. Um, specifically, like, color palette was amazing. It was so diverse. Um, one other thing, I think that the, the shadow work they did, um, the way that they would draw your eye from one place to another by illuminating some and then backing off others. Like, I said this probably, maybe, um, but the... When Eleven's doing the echolocation thing, it basically looks like an iPhone's portrait. You know, the new iPhone has the portrait mode, um, which is probably a reference for like six of our listeners. But uh, so where, you know, they do like, they do where only the subject is with light and everything else is black. And I thought that was was really cool. They took that to an extreme this season and like every scene had that. Where there was just holes missing um, from pretty much every set piece. Uh, the other thing is I, I love this is, goes out to uh, Evil Dead when the um, all the lights were freaking out, and you just see the cabin alone in the woods with like the little slits of of light coming through the panels and just like fading in and out. Uh, I, I love that sort of uh, junk. Um, yeah, that that to me was my biggest win. not really like the most glamorous thing in the world, but um, I had some issues with other like the big things that a lot of people talk about. So for me honestly the main draw was just seeing what sort of visual level they could take it next. Uh one last little win, uh Lucas's sister, every single word that girl said was absolutely freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like she she was like the the perfect you know this is this is a a show and it's just I think this goes to what this show really does well is that this show in in essence is just an homage. It's just Two, two people that love 80s movies and 80s literature just trying to make the best product that they could. It, it looks like an updated movie of any of those films released in that era. And Lucas's sister is just that annoying little sibling. You know, we gotta relate to the four main ones. So that means Jonathan and Nancy, like, you can't feel annoyed by the main characters when they're dealing with them two. But to go younger and then still pull off the annoying sibling, loved it. Those are the big things for me.
1: Yeah, even kind of talking from that, I'll, like I think one of the biggest things from the, the, the introduction to that character was the fact that we actually got other families in here, and I was super surprised. Even in the entire first season of where the where's Lucas family, like what's where's Dustin's family? I wanted to know like at least someone from that. Like there was a bit too much focus, I think, on Mike uh, family and um, Will Byers family. Uh, and so right out the gate, I think the first scene we see Dustin's mom and how she's like super like lovey. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Like we actually can get a chance to ex- expand this universe just a little bit to, because we know that these characters exist and we know that they're there. So at least there should be something that you want to kind of give them. And the entire scene when Luke is talking to his father, of, you know, how can you tell a girl? Uh, that you're wrong or you know what if she's wrong that, that entire scene like freaking gold because it was just a great
3: yeah
2: yeah,
1: yeah it, it, it was so
3: good what uh, do you just, let like, say to Bob when she's wrong she's, like, well, yeah, she's he not
1: always kind of
2: like, Cricket for the like he yeah. stands his ground he might yeah. cause the fights but he knows that he's kind of like right he's not stubborn because he's got parents that kind of back him up and tell him like how to handle these situations yeah he'd also probably throw out to his parents like how do you handle an alien invasion and they probably have an answer for him
1: <laughs> well there's no there, there's no such thing as alien invasion so there you go okay cool thanks dad yeah thanks uh, yeah so i i just like that i love the fact that they did something very small and all they did was introduce what like, five characters maybe and then kind of flush out a little bit more of, you know mike's family and how uh, mike's parents and arguably how useless they are and you even get a line from dustin that says yeah they're useless like you're not doing shit
0: yeah I'm lo- like, i lost it for that line
1: <laughs> and I, I love and I love that part because I think something that we talked about in season one is uh, I think even mocha brought this up of you know the parents in this series in this universe, besides Joyce are absolutely useless and just blinded to, and they just they're they're not there uh and so in this one here, again, we have besides Joyce, who's a little little different, you know. All the other parents, doesn't, like although they seem to be caring about their child at that moment, and you get a couple of montages of them like taking pictures. I thought that was really cute, and, like for uh, the for Halloween and for the dance at the end. So I thought that was a very nice sort of character moments that's actually happening at the end there. Uh, but then you also kind of get more information from them. But at the end of the day, they still are pretty useless as just the characters. They just don't. <clears throat> They didn't really kind of take the initiative uh, and cared about their child and what their, you know, 10, 11-year-old is running off and doing.
2: But it helps, Um, yeah, it kind of helps ground the kids' characters in, like, even though this is sort of like a sci-fi horror mystery show Mm -hmm. that is kind of unbelievable, it grounds them. Like, in traditional kids' stories, when stuff starts to go insane, it's as soon as the parents disappear. But the parents are kind of active throughout, and all this wackadoo stuff is still happening, and they're going on with their lives kind of ignoring it, but the kids are dealing with the problems but you love the kids so much because you know that they have to deal with their parents' bullshit, too. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, Blue. I want to toss it over to Abbott. And talk, tell me some ones that you got of, of Stranger Things Season 2.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's going to be some overlaps, um, but uh, what I love um, is that we, even though we had a great plethora of gr- amazing characters from the first season, we were introduced to so many new good ones, and right off the bat, I just want to say we have the TV muted right now, But there was a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, and it had the lumpy arcade nerd uh, informant guy from Stranger Things in it, and I think that is amazing, because he's one of the best ones, and I hope he is getting ready to take Hollywood by storm, because I only see great things in that kid's future. For all I know, he might be 50 years old, I don't know. Um, 56. (laughs) 56. But also, you know... uh, the only bit of Barb we saw was her corpse. That's great, because I hated Barb. <laughs> um, Drunk Nancy is by far one of the best characters we were introduced to. Drunk Nancy was hilarious, and I think the internet needs to really hit up the Drunk Nancy memes, because I haven't seen any yet, yeah. and I haven't found any yet, so we really need to get on that internet. Just, yeah, uh, I'm
3: searching for them right now. <laughs>
1: this is... Um... Oh shit! Uh, the party guy uh, who made the punch that is pure pure pure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's me. That's who. I, that's who I want to grow up to be. That's all I, of
2: us at every party yeah, ever. We when I turn twenty one,
1: cool. that's who I want to be. <laughs>
2: but uh, Sean Astin's Bob was also uh, pretty amazing. You know, he's he's like Rudy. He really just wants to try, but at the end of the end of the game, he gets sacked.
1: Uh, <laughs> That's <so good>. uh, <laughs>
2: um, I do uh, going back to what you guys said Steve's 180 from being like he's still a douche but he takes on more responsibilities and he kind of just shrugs off Nancy you know totally not wanting him and she's having a hard time admitting it he's like you know what it's fine whatever I'm cool I have enough I have enough gel in my hair, shielding my brain from these emotions, that I can deal with it, uh, <laughs> and he still becomes a badass character. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but the big thing for me was the fact that there were more monsters this season, uh, which is a big thing for me. But I think the more I the more I thought about it, um, season one taking place like a little bit earlier in the '80s, sort of reflects uh, the horror movies at the time, where you had kind of this monster or a slasher, and there was one big bad, like the Demi Gorgon is chasing everybody, and it's like. These slow, kind of, like, grind, burn, you know, takes forever for him to finally get you. Meanwhile, when you're moving into the, the mid-'80s, you get these other movies, like Gremlins, Ghoulies, Chud, where there's, like, multiple monsters, and it's, like, kind of this big, crazy fest, and that's sort of what the Demi-Dogs were, and I loved that.
3: But it's also, like Alien versus Aliens.
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and then... Um, the other big thing was just the call outs uh, to, to other movies and the references, like um, the part where Dart gets too big and jumps out of the box and escapes for the first time. And the music hits and you're like, that's totally, that's almost Gremlins music. Oh, this is like that scene in Gremlins where he gives the the, the monster to the guy in the school. Like, this is kind of like a callback to that. It was great. And then the scene also, um, like Mike said, Evil Dead is kind of called out a few times in the movie where the shadow monster is sort of bearing down on them and does the crazy through the woods camera shot. Um, Totally, totally the exact same shot. Different woods, but, you know, splitting image. Um, And I think that's great because they know what they're doing, obviously. And in my opinion, it's weird, but I think that this season, at least in my opinion, was... Uh, way better than the first season. So that's that's bold words, but I think so. I mean, I know we're introduced to all the characters, and that's always like a fun part of getting to meet everybody in the first season, but I think at this point, I think what the people who worked on this show did was they took a lot of... Because there was so much fan feedback, they took a lot of that, and they actually put that into the second season. They gave us what we wanted, which really, at the end of the day, is what we want. We want to see what we want to see, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that. That's some bold words. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. That's a question I'm going to ask the group before we get into our sort of criticisms, or maybe even after. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point because uh, I don't know.
2: I got more out of this season that I wanted that I might have not known that I wanted versus the first season when I didn't know what to expect. Like going into this one, I thought I knew what to expect, and then I was like pleasantly surprised. More so, I was like, yeah. wow, this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Oh. Not that I thought it was going to suck or anything, but yeah. you know. That was
1: it. Cool. Uh, and then I'll end with my wins. I'm not going to, I'll go ahead and like kind of glaze over a couple of these, uh, sort of repeats that we already have. Um, love Bob, Bob's superhero by far. What Bob, you're the true MVP. The fact that you know how to do basic and they even get like, we know that this, uh, this started in 1984 and there was a quick call out to an Apple computer and how he's actually reprogramming everything, which is actually pretty cool. Um, I just loved his character. I mean, I think when we're introduced to his character early on, we're like, this dude is corny. He is terrible. And I think we are easily, as an audience, is geared to not like his character because everybody else is like, he doesn't quite fit in.
2: Oh, the Dracula joke. I hope it doesn't suck. I wanted I mean, to hate him,
1: not, well, him. That was that, but he's like, I think the moment that I fell in love with Bob, uh, when he was like, "Mr. Mob <laughs> I was <mean, I'm> so <laughs> excited. And th- at that point, I was like, "I love this guy. He can do no wrong." Yeah. You know, he told he's the only person to kind of tell Will actually advice on what to do.
3: Yeah, good he, advice if you're like facing a bully or something. Yeah, like
1: or fa- like I mean, he it, it probably wasn't the best advice, but. Everybody else, and he even will mention something like, you know, stop treating me differently. Like I'm the same. He treated him as if he he just wanted to help. He was trying to give him some words of encouragement. Be no. that father figure. Be that parental figure that arguably Joyce needed to be, but she wasn't. And any other actual parent in this actual show needed to be that, but they literally didn't give a shit about their children. Nancy and freaking um, John were gone. Yeah, Nancy and John were gone for like three or four days. Got abducted. It went over like they. Nobody has any idea what's happening to them. And every time John would call back to his house, the phone would keep ringing. So are banging. Yeah. So it's it, they banging. Yeah. yeah so, banging. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, that's one. Of the, that's why I really like Bob. Like Bob, superhero. Like he made like a crazy, like a, a amazing sacrifice that he was way out of his league for. But at the same time, he still he still did that. Um, so I, I, love his character. I just love everything that they introduced about how corny he was going to be, but he was just being a supportive dude who just got caught up in the craziness. And I'm glad, arguably, I'm glad he died because we needed somebody that we cared. I, I knew he was going to die. Uh, arguably I knew he was going to die. I was like, something, something, he's, he's too likable at this point. He's going to have to die. Uh, sorry, Hopper, but be careful, bro. I think you're next up. I'm just saying it. Um, yeah. I, I love a lot of the video games sort of kind of not not quite tropes, but like references of you have single player, and you have, for instance, you have Dustin trying to figure out this monster issue by himself, and then you get co-op mode, and you have Dustin, and then you get uh, Steve to go and like try to hunt this uh, <laughs> try to hunt this Demi Gorgon, but that doesn't necessarily work. So then you get a party, then you have four people, then they're building the plans, and these are like. Arguably, like video game levels and things that they're actually doing, you have King of the Hill, you have a Guardian, you have somebody's going through. Like you can see these video game sort of modes or levels or sort of um, uh, what's the name of it? Like playlists or I can't remember the name. Scenarios. Like they are like literally in this actual uh, show from time to time, and all these little like weird things happening all throughout. Um, and I think one of the best moments I liked was Eleven exactly closing the gate. You have Hopper protecting her and just mowing down all these others, like, Demi-Dogs, like, all around her. And I was like, that's that's a great sort of, necessarily, kind of moment, but that was pretty cool. Warren, Warren,
0: so, first of yeah. all, I, again, that scene can't be understated how absolutely beautiful it was with the silhouette of her, like, with both hands out, and then him just, like, turning around, just blowing, you know, Demi-Dogs away. Um, yes. That, was, that could be, like, a desktop wallpaper um, for, you know, my, your living room. Um, the one thing I would say, you know, it's funny. I wrote down uh, a con about that exact thing, and I didn't even think about it because I didn't read your, your prose until I, I wrote down my con. Um, I felt that they did a great job of having that central narrative um, in the first season where they start off playing Dungeons & Dragons, and then it kind of evolves, and they kind of tell you parts of the story before it happens by using Dungeons and & Dragons, and then at the end, the whole thing makes sense as a D&D thing. Whereas yeah. I felt like they could have gone bigger with video games, because they went to the arcade a couple times, where, like, yeah. they could have they talked about that and almost laid out the... Like, they didn't have to do the exact same thing, where, like, you know, they had to climb a bunch of ladders with barrels falling down on them so they could beat up a monkey. Like, you know, they don't quite have to do that, but, like... I thought they could have done a little bit more to, like, really make it seem like, hey, this is how we're going to organize this season. Now, I'll give you, that's a good point. that I didn't even think about, like, the whole co-op and, like, all that fun stuff and single player, King of the Hill. But, I don't know, a little bit more references to, like, power-ups. You know, like, yeah. power-ups are distinctly a video game thing, like health packs. You know, that yeah. that could have been... A lot of that stuff, though, from what you're mentioning, like I think they're
1: transitioning out, right? Like season one, we see a lot of board game playing. Season two, now we've got a lot of like, like you just said, like arcade electronic games. And so with these arcade games, it happening for right now. Like you, there's not like the Call of Duties. There's like a bunch of other games that's necessarily there. They really mention Dig Dug a lot, and um, they really kind of go into some of these video games. But like. It's still very like tower based, so I I mean it'll be interesting to see like the next time this happening, if it's gonna be like actual at home games and Yeah, you know, it's be necessarily kinda well,
0: crazy. Yeah, I mean even the stuff you were talking about, like they had single player and co op arcade, but I don't know I don't know if they had like King of the Hill or any of that fun stuff. I d I don't think arcades could really do it.
1: I mean probably. I don't I, I didn't go to play the arcade games a lot, but I'm assuming they have something similar to
2: it. I have an arcade in my basement,
0: so I'll no, I just can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was going to say as a uh, 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 a minus for me was the fact that they didn't have as much D and D references, but I think that lends to what you're saying. Is like as the '80s progressed, D and D became less prevalent, and then video games started to become on the rise. And I think that's sort of the transition that happened yeah. there was. Like you were saying, like some some of the themes, like Dig Dug, I think was just big in general because of like the, the theme of like the tunnels and like everything happening. Yeah. And like,
1: well, even from that, like, I'm gonna, I'll toss you into that is I thought it was very interesting of a lot of these throwaway lines and a lot of these, like, a lot of this dialogue that the teacher, I can't remember his name, but the science teacher was talking about of like biology and like minds <clears throat> and stuff like that was actually what's, what was happening yeah. is there was some crazy foreshadowing that was happening in this actual show. So I thought that was kind of fun. But I think it's also interesting of season one, they start off playing Dungeons & Dragons. Season two, they're scrambling to get some coins to go to an arcade. And I think that's a nice, like, sort of progression. Or yeah, I'm, I'm not, not
0: even... I'm not like,
1: even... Like, like, the mistakes of things.
0: I'm not even looking for the references. Like, I don't need them to be like, oh, and then, like, I went and played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, I think that it would have been... It would have been nice to see just more thematic references like they did with Dungeons and Dragons. I, I just, yeah. it, they could have been yeah. a little bit more over the top with it just to yeah. keep consistent with that because you're right, it did transition away towards, you know, video media. Um, and I think they could yeah. have supported it a little bit more. I'm almost, so I love the fact that they ended on the school dance because that is so deliciously 80s. Um, that being yeah. said, I would have also loved to have seen them at the arcade as the final scene with max yeah. fully incorporated as a, a member of the group all sitting around playing video games together because that's yeah. how the, the first season it, ended and again it would have just tied it together a little bit better
1: it, like I, I like that point it, i think it could have gone, gone either way because they progressed the story of you know how games are played and how this party is going to be like behaving but now we also see that these kids are slowly growing up. Uh, so not to, not to say that they're not going to play any more video games. No, but this is probably the first dance they're ever going to go What well, I think this is the first dance their opportunity to go to a dance and seeing other awkwardly kind of going there, like a bunch of nerds, arguably because Mad Max is in there too, like a bunch of nerds kind of being out and like Zombie Boy being asked to a dance for the first time in his life. Like with all the shit that fucking Will was going through, like... Thank God he had somebody ask him out to go yeah. to. Yeah, we'll uh, not late. I don't know about that. We'll be banging. We'll be begging buyers. All right.
3: Um, Next so... season, magic cards. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's possible. True. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a good oh, may... or Pogs maybe. Oh, Pogs. Oh,
2: yeah. Who knows? oh.
1: Um, I think Pogs is like like, like early nineties though. No, it'd be like, it like
2: is. a console. Had to be like the Super Nintendo, remake. right? Well, yeah. I think
3: maybe a toy. Oh yeah, Atari, It could but... be. A, a oh t- yeah, one of the kids has. I games. mean, they're they're pretty they're pretty close to yeah. late '80s, early '90s. Yeah.
1: Box office toys. Right, 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 right. Okay, so I like that. Uh I mean, there's a lot of stuff to kind of unpack there. A couple other wins that I want to kind of talk about. I like the fact that they raised the stakes. They they started this episode. They started this season off with we're introduced to eight and we're like, Oh shit. Like that's crazy. And they really kind of raised a lot of things that the first season kind of started asking us some questions about. And they either raised their or kind of just further that story arc storyline about, and I'm interested to see if we're going to have any other characters. Like uh, 11 went through a lot of these care, uh, these um, children's profiles and like, just she was looking through, looking through, she went through a lot of these actual children's like faces and stuff that's in there. So Maybe that's something that we can, we can go through, but I'm liking the fact that they're they doing some slight world building and things are, are actually happening out there. Um, so I like that. And um, I think the last thing I want to talk about is, like, there's some music, and I, I, I would hope that um, uh, D- Derek is listening because me and Derek went through, and I we have been talking about just movie scores all the time. He mainly talks a lot about Star Wars, which is amazing. If you ever have a chance... This guy's amazing. Anyways, so we were talking about this music a lot, and I just love the sense in this, but I also just love the fact that it was a combination between all these 80s references, themes, like you name it, they kind of really jam-packed everything into it, and I think one of the best uh, examples I can think of, and it's funny because Sean Astin's character is in the Goonies, uh, and the Goonies soundtrack has a couple of songs that are, I think like uh, sh- no lie, Sydney sure. Lauper. Yeah, yeah, Sydney yeah. Loper for sure. No, no, <laughs> no but like this, the uh, Goonies score—not soundtrack—I'm sorry. Oh, okay. The Goonies score is taken a lot from this. Now, the Goonies score as a whole is much more French, orange, much more lively, much more adventure-based. So you can look at that score and think of more like Peter Pan. Like it's way more upbeat than this. But there's a couple songs in there that's very slow that are you know there's a there's a spin from the score it's called walking in hawkins hawkins and mm-hmm. it's almost like very close and it's obviously heavy like heavier on the sense but it's actually like very interesting and it's very cool and even me and um abbott were listening to the it soundtrack and not as cool not as close but very dark tones uh and it was like it's in order to do like certain things and this soundtrack i have listened to it so so much and it just puts me in like just a nice like relaxing, but at the same time that it starts to build and the tension from song to song, to song and the score itself does build tension. Um, and I just love that. And even the regular soundtrack was just just absolutely phenomenal. All the actual sort of songs they kind of put in this, it just just great to listen to. I just love it, literally every point I can think of. It was good. So let's get into some criticisms because we talked a lot about things that we liked about it. I'm interested to hear and talk about how much he may be wrong, but who knows. Brian, tell me a lot yeah. of criticisms of things that just didn't quite work for Stranger
3: Things 2. Yeah, uh, let's get to Hayton. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I would say like the big thing that really disappointed me about this season was that uh, breaking up the team um, to have all these other tangential storylines and have them car compartmentalized <laughs>
0: We just lost Brian in there.
3: Um, was um, I mean it, it actually weakened a lot of the characters and there was a lot of stories that really didn't need to be told and it uh, wasted a lot of time where they could have had a tighter more co- cohesive story I mean one of the big ones is Nancy and John's journey um, yeah they finally hook up and have sex and whatever but it's, it's kind of silly to to have this whole thing like let's find justice for Barb thing and even bring back up Barb because this is them pretty much kind of giving what they say is the fan reaction, what they want, but it goes to show you, maybe you shouldn't give the fans what they want all the time because this story totally didn't work at all. It was terrible. It was shitty. Um, that fucking reporter was the absolutely worst thing about this series, uh, this season as well. Um, there was uh, some other storylines that, I mean, I didn't really uh, find like find compelling, like Harper's in Eleven's uh, relationship at the beginning. Um, there was nothing set up in season one to make Hopper out to be this raging asshole that he actually started as, unless I'm totally missing something. And at the end of season one, there's a whole thing of Hopper uh, putting egos inside this box in the forest. And I think this quick explanation of how when Eleven took out the Demogorgon uh, and she disappeared, then suddenly she's in the Upside Down, she just finds a quick exit out of there, and Hopper's just hiding her. Kind of like just, um, it actually takes away the reason behind that box. There's no reason for him to be dumping egos in that box if he's hiding her in this cabin in the woods. It makes total... No sense at all, and it's like I think they use it as a matter of convenience um just Brown. to have a scene Brown. I
1: the tap, like I thought that he put that in there because she knew that she was still around um and so he i i, I guess I, I I assume that hopper had been like at least kind of tracking her knew where she was gonna be that's why she was using the box, and then from there she ended up kind of following him and then they went to the cabin in the woods and like, that was... Yeah, that was that, was
0: that was a logic jump. It was, like, one of those acceptable ones for me. That was like, alright, well, he kind of figured out, she got out, and then, you know, figured out how to attract her. I was okay with that one. I was also okay with the whole relationship in general. I think they did a good job through a series of flashbacks. Like, they actually used flashbacks effectively to show how the relationship got to where it was so you started off and you were you know you were presented with a year has changed and uh they even say it you know like 200 days we've been living here together and um and you were presented with how the relationship was then and then they showed kind of going back from her start getting out of the upside down and then through her development in the cabin um, how the relationship gradually eroded. So, yeah, it was a little bit jarring in the first episode, but I felt that once you got through and started, you know, entering, like, the uh, the expositional state, stage of the um, the plot, it really brought light of why those, those actions made sense.
3: Yeah, it just didn't start off really well, and, like, that kind of made me start to hate characters I love, even, like, Eleven, that it's, like, a... She's acting totally pointless compared to where she was at the end of season one. And Hopper is acting totally pointless. They they needed something to build up to those moments. And they really... It it really didn't do that. They just suddenly just cut to like, okay, they're trying to build a relationship. And all of a sudden, it's falling apart immediately. Well, and I, it th- was, I think they really They true. didn't do a good job of
0: it. They For me, I thought... Uh, I'm going to completely agree with you on this, uh, on this point you're making, except for this one, where where uh, I think they did really do a good job of showing how, uh, like, pragmatic Hopper can be, and then how unpragmatic a 13-year-old can be. You know, like, I think they really showed that, like, hey, Hopper's completely in the right here to do this. If he was dealing with, like, a full-grown adult who also has a similar, like, mindset... But he's not. He's dealing with someone who's crazy hormonal because that's what teenagers do um, and that they don't make great decisions. And then you throw superpowers into this mix and then you have a, a recipe for disaster. Um,
1: I mean, I think it was also
0: a little bit along the lines of just he doesn't
1: like he, he still hasn't quite like I don't think he ever will. But he lost a daughter. And he lost, like, a marriage and stuff like that. So he's still trying to figure out, like, how to be a parent and how to, you know, be supportive for it. And the best thing that he can think of is, you know, he lost one daughter, so he doesn't want to lose another one. And try to be, like, as overprotective as possible and try to do all the stuff to make sure that she's safe. She's safe. She can't do anything that she's safe. And, you know, it's not up until the point where she's not his daughter. Like, she's not his, his sickly daughter, right? She's completely different. and. They start learning how people like how each other are, and this how how they're gonna be living with each other. Like later on, that he, I, I can see why this is going off the point of why he was so like kind of angry and kind of like just upfront about that. And I was also looking at that too, but it, like Haber is a, a broken character, is a, a broken man, and yeah. that, that's
3: some of the reasoning I can get behind that. Brian. Yeah, but I mean, there it didn't really. I mean, it never really came across as like. I mean, I could see him being overprotective. And I'm not necessarily saying he should have been nice and understanding for everything that Eleven's going through. Yeah, that wouldn't be realistic. But he comes off as a straight-up asshole to her. And that I could not get around. I mean, that was just throwing me off so much. It really put a bad taste in my mouth to start off this season. hate. But um, there were some other things that, like, there were some characters that you love in the first season that really didn't get any do this season. Like, Joyce is kind of like there in the background the whole time. And, yeah, she had her moments with Will, but she really didn't have the impact that she did in the first season. And I think kind of part of that is because Will is there. Her kids are there. She has something that is conflicting with her life, but uh, she has a little bit more stability this time. So I think they went ahead and actually just... Uh, m- pivoted the focus to some other characters this season, um, and along with that, um, Mike, Micah, I hey, um, being a young kid that heart's broken and everything, you don't go straight up and just start being a dick. Um, you to your friends, um, usually you confide in your, you life, yes in your you can. friends when you're that age, or you I mean, you may have like your violent bursts, but you're not going to always be like that every single moment. And maybe there was like some scheduling conflict between this and it because we saw Finn Wolfhart. he knows that he's got acting chops and if you give him a scene, he's going to do something good with it. He did it in season one, he did it in it and he felt really wasted in this season and it was kind of disappointing to see that character actually get degraded the way he did as well. Yeah, I mean, we even kind of talked
1: about this before, and I just think that the fact that Eleven was on her own, sort of self discovery, and it, I really wish that they would kind of put like I, I wish. Now look back, I'm like, is Mike the leader of this group? And if that's yeah. the case, why is Mike the leader of this group? Is he the DM? Because uh, I wasn't like I know that he was in season one, and I get that. And if that's the case, that just also needs to be a little bit more kind of clear of like talking about like rules and stuff like that. Like, but arguably, it was uh, just a huge sense of jealousy, uh, especially if Dustin, like, uh, arguably, right? Dustin's off and like hanging out with Steve. Uh, Lucas is going and got Mad Max, he wants to bring into the actual group. Will is still, (laughs) Will, God damn, I feel bad about that kid, but he's still doing his own thing upside down. And, you know, it definitely felt like in a sense of, in the season one, like he was the person, he was the main person. The people like, went to him, and there was a lot of focus on him. Uh, and he could actually make sure things were actually happening. But now season two, everybody's out doing their own thing, growing to be indiv- like young, young you know boys and teenagers for the most part, besides Will. But you know they're starting to like do some of that stuff, and he's still sort of in the same sort of uh, uh, he's in the same position. So I really wish that they would have give him a little bit more um instead of just sitting around waiting for l the entire time
3: yeah or give a moment early like during like the halloween uh trick-or-treating or something where the rest of the gang uh starts challenging his leadership and stuff
1: yeah, yeah. and I mean,
3: give some type of reason for why they start to break up instead of it's just like oh we're just randomly gonna start to do shit separate from one another yeah. there's no it it doesn't connect the audience and, it, and you don't care about any of these separate ways that they actually start doing um, a couple of monologues
1: when he's trying to find Al on the actual walkie talkie like and you just extend those scenes out just a little bit so that you can actually see him like this is like this the man's like depressed he's heartbroken like he's alone he feels secluded. Like there's a lot of emotions that he can be packing in there in those scenes. As we just see the repetition of that too, and that even that off screen would have helped out a little bit more motivation for his character of why he has such this pent up anger to his friends because he feels like no one's there for him, you know, and that also makes sense why he's so angry with Hopper for hiding this from him, because he's been feeling this way for an entire year he didn't necessarily need to feel this way Uh, and so that also makes sense, but we need that information, we need to see that scene, before his anger and his actions also kind of, like,
3: take hold, you know? Yeah, absolutely Uh, some other thing uh, there's some other characters here that really didn't (coughs) Sorry, that didn't really uh, actually um, play any big role like you were introduced to Billy and Max earlier, uh, new brother and sister uh, duo that um, uh, even though I do like how this whole Dustin Max Lucas triangle plays out, how Dustin's like strong at the very beginning. (laughs) Lucas just like bides his time till the right moment. That's done really well. Um, but Max as a character herself I mean she's just there she's just so there to be like this pretty girl that the some of the other kids actually uh, have a crush on and see if they who actually ends up with her mm-hmm. um, and then Billy Billy I mean they have this talk and like Hopper's talking to the agents at the Hawkins Institute and everything they're constantly talking about hey Russian spies uh, Soviet agents that are in Hawkins and hopper's choking it off whereas the scientists i mean we already know like what type of crazy shit's going down at the hawkins institute um that i mean they're kind of super serious about this and then you see these two characters introduced and they start to they introduce them as brother and sister and then you see billy say hey she's not my sister and kind of be a little over i mean not overbearing but uh he uh, shits on her and, like, starts barking orders at her and stuff. And you're like, oh, this would be pretty neat if these two turned out to be KGB agents or something. And, I mean, at the end, it turns out to be, like, they just have a really shitty dad and they're half-siblings and or step-siblings. And uh, Billy's a shitty person because his dad's a shitty person. It's trickle-down bully-nomics, essentially, yeah, they um,
0: they felt like they added, added those characters. It came out weak. They felt like they added those characters to add characters. I, I had the same thing written down, Brown. I feel like we're in very much alignment on this. Um where like they they basically just added people cuz they needed more stereo, stereotypical 80s characters to put in the show to appease fans. Um they really didn't add anything to the storyline. Like they wouldn't have made any difference whatsoever. In fact, they just proved his jumping off point so that you could like film a couple scenes here and there at different locations. Um I didn't think that they were gonna be KGB agents. My weird theory was that they were also mutants. Um and that's why Billy was super overprotective because Max was another one of those, you know, those uh powered people, let's say. Um, and I thought they were gonna figure that out in the third act, and, like, you'd see that interaction play off, um... Or, like, the Russian version of the same project. Yeah. Yeah, Not even Russian, just, like, just another version that, you know, got loose, and I thought that there was gonna be no parents involved whatsoever, because their parents didn't show up till, what, episode seven or something? Um, I thought it was just gonna be him trying to take care of her, and, like, you know, you, you develop that backstory based on that, but... Yeah. But yeah, th- those two made literally no difference on the plot, except to like marginally make Steve's uh, progression. Like Steve didn't really progress. He kind of he was just like kind of a badass that you knew from the first season, and then he hit a road bump, and he was still kind of a badass afterwards. Like. But he got beat. He, you know, he's got, a bit more wise badass after that. Yeah, routine. but he got beat on the basketball
1: court. He got beat up pretty badly at the end there. It. I, I, I thought for sure that the way that they were setting this up was that they were introducing Billy's character just to die, uh, because there was a, a there's a lot of reasons to hate Billy. That I don't think he has any redeeming characteristics at with this character at all. And you start you feel bad for him because you you see like the weird relationship and the difficult and abusive relationship with his father, but he doesn't do anything that you want to feel. Anything, anything good for his character, and so I, I thought what what they were going with it is that they were just gonna kill Billy because he just didn't believe or whatever, and that's how like Mag Max is kind of thrust in because she's like also has some sort of like kind of weird loss, or uh, even going off of what Mike was talking about, if we would have ended it at an arcade, like. You know Mad Max would have been the perfect person to then get them more towards an arcade and just schooling them all and that's how she's the this person uh that's how she kind of goes into being this uh uh that's how she's a part of this party there like she's like literally the the guru of arcade games and like she's just better than everybody there uh but they I, I, they just didn't do that uh, and i I thought it was kind of confusing to me that I felt like those characters were just kind of um uh, for the character's motivation themselves, is a bit wasted, but, you know, for Lucas' motivation, sure. A little bit, like you were saying, a little bit for Steve's, sure, but it, d- even Dustin and how he wants to kind of grow on his own, sure, okay, but for themselves, it, it was it was kind of weird.
2: Yeah. You guys are saying that now, but I think, uh, considering that they're both still there, like, I have some of the same gripes, like, Billy was kind of useless, considering how much of an asshole he was throughout the season. I thought it was going to, like, culminate. But, uh... You know, we don't know. Third season, it could be revealed that, like, they are all Russian spies and the parents are their handlers. Some crazy bullshit. I think, like, Stranger Things has, for me at least, the vibe for me has always been, like, don't trust anybody because nobody is necessarily what they seem. Because I also thought that, like, Bob was going to be a spy. Mm. That was the big thing for me is I thought he was going to be, like, put in there by the Hawkins Institute to keep an eye on Joyce and Will and, like, that was going to be a twist. And then when it didn't happen, I was like,
3: oh, Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay, Rudy. Yeah.
3: The the other thing I thought that yeah, was... They really didn't have any, like, illuminating payoffs in this season. It was... The other this, thing, it, I mean, everything came strange. out kind of very mundane.
1: Well, the other thing I thought was a bit strange was, you know, why did Billy hate Lucas in particular so much? And You and I talked about yeah, this. Yeah, we, we talked about this a, a bunch, and the first time I watched it, I glazed over it. I was like, oh... Okay, Billy doesn't want to want Mad Max to hang out with the nerd so that she's not associated with that. And then I watched it again and I had to stop and go back and I was like, well, wait, the dialogue that he used was talking about his kind, his his don't hang out with his type, or something like that, and like physically goes and attack Lucas. And I was like, are they talking about some like undertones of racism here or what's happening for right now? Cause that wasn't really a thing in in the Stranger Things like universe yeah uh but this family came from North california and they kind of uprooted into hawkins now uh so are they bringing these things that we just haven't seen before in this universe um it, i was very i was very confused about that I, I wasn't sure why or what they were trying to do
0: was um, I, so i was kind of con- I, I wasn't sure i took it as just like he didn't want him hang- her hanging out with anyone like, and Lucas just seemed to be the one that was kind of closest behind her. Yeah. So And, you know, like, he was the only one. So the reason I think he beat him up, you know, in the house is he was the only one that he saw at the arcade. You know, like, he, he just kind of stood out. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, like, the scene that
1: he's talking about Lucas particular, not like all those kids, right? The scene that he's talking about Lucas in particular in the car, that was the scene that I was like,
2: Ooh, yeah, is that racist? Is that racist? I mean, is that racist? <laughs> yeah, I got I got weird advice <laughs> from it too. I feel like he was kind of being like, "Don't hang out with black people," yeah. and it was the first because I've only seen it the one time. But like, it even came off to me in that one instance being like, "That's kind of fucked up." And Wait, it's worth that like we're taking more, like we're more caught off guard and more upset about that. It's like that. Like, the fact that suddenly this kid is racist bothers me more than the fact that there's monsters. Like, I'm more upset at this racist yes. kid than I am at the monsters. Yeah. They're was...
1: happening. Some, some, come on. Why are we talking about racism here? There's fucking monsters killing Barb, who no one cares well, about. Well, the monsters can be racist. <laughs> the monsters are probably racist, The, yeah, the monsters are racist, because only white people die. Oh,
2: yeah. True, yep. true. They just eat people, so maybe they're specious.
3: Shut up. <laughs> no, <they laughs> eat cats. I mean, maybe they were trying to make him like an um, an homage to the bully in Stephen King's It. I don't know. It's it's hard not to parallel these two because they came out so close, and also it is something from the '80s, and like that bully was a racist son of a bitch in it. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, it just didn't make sense why Billy was there.
2: But that that bully also beat it spectacularly at the end of that movie. (laughs)
3: <laughs> <They> didn't <laughs> spoil guys gosh people haven't seen that uh brylon anything else um yeah so um i mean just when it comes to the monsters like in the first season we like uh andrew said uh we have the demogorgon in the first one it's kind of like that how the hell are we going to stop this type of monster because nothing's working and what it takes to actually beat the Demogorgon in the first season. Um, You could say, like, I mean, just inconsistent power levels for the creatures here. The Demogorgon dogs, when you see them, it's like, okay, you're dealing with a whole pack of Demogorgons. This is gonna... This city's fucked. But they turn out to be pushovers and stuff. You can shoot them with shotguns and they die. You're like, oh, that's kind of weak. I mean... We already we already established Demogorgons are pretty tough bastards, and now you can just easily kill them with shotguns and stuff. Did we see them die though? You talking about when uh, Hopper was shooting at them? he are shooting at them and they fall down that chasm. I assume, yeah.
1: assume they're dead. Well, cause the the only reason why I asked that question is like he was shooting at it when he, they were eating Bob alive, and that that didn't it didn't phase them at all. Uh, I think it was like kind of stunning them, but I I thought that bullets weren't gonna weren't a thing because all the other characters and all those other guys in that actual facility was all shooting them, and those bullets weren't, weren't a factor. Yeah, they wow. were
0: they were inconsistent with that. They yeah. were like they they basically were when Hopper Hopper had magic bullets essentially. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I was surprised when he walk, wanted to walk into the lab with eleven. He's like, "Save your strength. I'll handle the heavy lifting at the beginning." I was like, "What are you gonna do? Shoot him?" And then if then yes, Magic bullets. It, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it was it, that was completely a plot inconsistency. Yeah, and another
3: thing that was just kind of logically weird was that uh, the mind flare, um, so apparently cannot enter into the world unless the gate is, like, five miles tall, as tall as he is, or whatever. But he can enter into Will and do all this stuff in the world anyway. So, what's the point of opening the gate in the first place?
2: He didn't need a five-mile hole to get into that little boy, is that what you're saying, Brian? <laughs> he did not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he got into that little boy pretty easily. Yeah. And, and like, Will wasn't even... And, and they make... they. Say, like, he can only touch me when I'm in the Upside Down, but Will wasn't. I mean, when he has these catatonic moments, is he thinking about the Upside Down, or is he actually being teleported to the Upside Down? His body's still there, and they actually are shaking him and stuff. So he's not going back to the Upside Down. He's having these visions of stuff in the Upside Down. And it really doesn't make any sense. Why? What are they trying to do? I thought it
1: was... (laughs) Because they, I, I, I guess in this one here, when Will kind of transitions and goes back and forth, I thought he's like, they they said something about, there's a term about phase jumping or something like that, that he's physically moving in between both of the phases.
3: Mm. Yeah, he, he's, he's between both the upside down and the yeah. real world.
1: So that's when the the, the video camera kind of goes through, and that's when they couldn't find him. Then he, they up and just randomly finds him in certain moments, that, that's when he was, like, in the field. Um, they kind of up and find him there. That is weird, though, because, like, that's another kind of inconsistent plot point, because in the field, they definitely see his body. He's definitely there. But this is mine, not? But in other cases, he's, like, kidding, and he kind of comes back. Um, so that's a, that's a good call-out. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta I wanna watch that look at that. Yeah, it's kind of weird.
3: Yeah. And I would say my last uh, criticism I have is that season one did this really cool thing where thematically it balanced paying homage to 1980s nostalgia and doing this modern storytelling with uh, newer high-tech equipment and stuff and having like a digital shooting but keeping something like grained in the 80s where you felt like it was like a nice balance between like hey is this like a 80 spoof of a horror movie but also it's actually a new fresh take on a horror movie at the same time. It's kind of like John Carpenter's Teenage Wasteland so to speak um, and they kind of lost the whole nostalgia part the music still does a really good job but they don't really have those key moments just like how John and Will are sharing uh, that clash song together or how they have these different posters that they actually uh have in their houses Uh, they don't have like when they first pick up the walkie-talkies you're like oh shit that's et and they don't really have any seminal nostalgia moments um that actually stand out and are kind of active in the world uh in season two it's more like let's focus on the monsters and just let's have some family drama as well and losing that nostalgia piece to the themes uh, I think hurts it a lot
1: yeah I mean I think they were they they, uh, much like uh, Blue was talking about before like I think if they would have like just done more with some of these pieces like arcade towers like they went through and had this whole scene of like I can't remember the name of the arcade game they were playing together but before they went over and checked Dig Dug and stuff like that Um, but they had went through the score storyline of this in the in the arcade. And I, yeah, I wish there was more stuff like that. They they could have done it, but you know, they talked about hair a lot, so that was good.
3: Yeah, I mean, there were some. I think the biggest like nostalgia moment was Steve talking to Dustin about like how he does his hair and said Farrah Faucet. I mean, that was like the best thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, like this season, what I found really disappointing based on the caliber that the first season. Uh, actually began.
0: Uh, Lloyd. Yeah, so I had a couple things. To echo Bryland one more time, because, uh, you know, going right after each other, I feel we need to drive this home. Uh, It felt very fractured. Um, The sub-teams for me didn't quite work. I really loved the first season where you had kind of uh, Hopper and Winona Ryder working to... Like had that crazy episode trying to figure out what happened to Will, and then the, the four, the three kids together, and then like kind of the uh, the later age teenagers, um, and I think that they tried to develop everyone, but it just didn't it didn't work. They worked better in the classic teams um, than these new ones, which is I guess applaud you for like taking a chance. Just for me, it didn't work. Um, the one thing really there was that like when you could. When you look back at the first season, you could definitely say that Mike was the main character, maybe Hopper too, but like mostly Mike, um, and he really drove the point, like the plot forward. Uh, Warren even mentioned that he was the dungeon master. Now it felt like, well, Dustin is kind of the main character. Nancy had, like led her own source hopper was there again mike took a back seat you know he he wasn't in half the the show it felt like or he didn't have speaking lines um and then you have the new characters plus the moms and the parents and it's like just i'm trying to think of what's the last movie that did this really terribly When you have an ensemble film, you still have to have a main character. And you have to make the ensemble work off of that main character. Now, it doesn't matter what the main character is. You just have to have a central point. And this season just didn't have that central point that you could have... Everything else could act as a linchpin off of. Um, I think I've said most of my other criticisms. The one last little thing uh, to talk about... like. Uh, just in with other people, um, I thought the Demi-Dogs looked horribly cheap, um, like the whole rest of it was, was beautifully done, but the CGI, when they were moving around, looked like a mid-2000s Resident Evil game, and it didn't look good, and it's gonna age poorly.
1: It was weird that they were trying to do some things with the lighting with the dogs, but it still was coming up as looking pretty, like, Like it could have been better. Uh, the Demi Gorgon in the first scene in the first season looked better than these Demi Dogs because they
2: kept him really dark for the most part. No. I mean, towards the end, like you well, did not e- see a lot of them. Even
1: when they were in that weird phase in between Upside Down and not where L was going to, like and he was like eaten, like oh, he that's was completely true. lit yeah. up and he still looked fine. It looked awesome
3: meeting Barb.
2: Actual someone in like a They costume. might have. They might like have they had, had... costume. They were too small to be costumes, so they were like a hundred percent CG. I'm mm. pretty sure.
0: Yeah, and they, they might have had because that scene was relatively short than the amount of, you know, Hawkins Laboratory scenes. They might have just run out of money. You know, they could have busted all of their their CGI budget doing that one lit up scene really well and then had to spread those funds out. Although I looked it up, apparently the cost per episode was like 8 million dollars compared to Thrones. Thrones. Game of Thrones is the most expensive and that's 10 million. So the the, the money was there. Yeah, those my most of my other criticisms can be referenced in other people's points. So l- l- look it up, suckers.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, Abbott, apology. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, again, a lot of overlaps with some of the things that we're we're picking on. I'm not. I'm not as nitpicky. I really enjoyed it, but uh, sort of to 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 go back to what I was saying in the preview was Will is the worst. I hate whiny kids in movies, and I wanted so much more for him, but he just seems like such a baby. Like, I know they want him to be, like, young and meek and all this, but he almost seems, like, younger than the other kids. Like, he seems like he's easy to be picked on. That's why everybody calls him Zombie Boy. But also, like, he just, he's meek and he doesn't have any, like, important lines, but when he does, he's possessed by the. The, the mind flayer and even then it's like it seems a little hokey to me but then besides that all he really did was like scream and shriek and convulse and stuff so i think i think he's a wash of a character for me i can't really care about will because i still don't really know why he's the only one who's affected by the upside down
3: like because he had that slug come out of his mouth yeah
2: but hopper got a money shot in the face of like <laughs> upside down power dust and he's doing fine for all we you know yeah, like
3: that was super <laughs> unexplained Hopper's tripping balls
2: <laughs> but um yeah also just the the two the two major bad guys in this season the mind player smoke monster and billy were kind of just a little bit of duds for me and the fact that like thinking about the mind player as a dnd character he's so nefarious and like like the design is really cool and they kind of squander that by making him this amorphous hp Lovecraft like smoke monster. Like, he wasn't really well defined, and he wasn't really that scary. I got super pumped when I saw the preview and you saw the giant tentacle monster wandering through the background. I was like, well, that's really cool. That's going to be something badass, and then it was just yeah. a cloud. It was like an angry fart that like went into Will's face and like took his, his brain over. Like, that's cool, I guess, but I feel like from a monster design standpoint, something that I'm really into, I wish they did a little bit more with it, but if you're telling me they spent $8 million on every episode, they probably didn't have enough money to throw into making that that, that monster a little bit cooler. Um, they needed more smoke.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Ab- Abbott, the way they did that preview, it made it seem like that, you know, the tentacle monster was just a small part of the Upside Down. Like, oh, you only saw the demigorgon, You have no idea what else is out there. And as it turns yeah. out, he is the only thing out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
2: And it almost, that's where it almost feels like, for the most, like, for me at least, Stranger Things is still this idea that's evolving. They're sort of making it up as they go along. Like, I know you said they have this grand plan for potentially four chapters and then they'll wrap it, but I feel like some of these things are still just occurring to them. So it's almost like, yeah, we can keep these monsters looking kind of amorphous and kind of non-defined, and that's how we'll go through this. But I think they could have made it a lot more scary. They could have pushed that a little bit more. Besides having, like, the real, like, a terrestrial villain, like, Billy, kind of just not really do anything. Like, he threatens and he threatens. Like, his his bark is bigger than his bite, and then nothing happens by the end of the season. Right. But, like I said before, I'll backpedal a little bit. Maybe something will happen in the next season, what have you. But for the most part, those, like, not really paying off kind of bit into me a little bit. Um, bringing back Barb as, like a, like, a side thing, her parents just seem really dumb. Like, I know, like, I can't imagine what it would be like trying to figure out, like, what happened to your dead daughter or, like, they don't know she's dead. Or, like, and that whole thing seemed like an afterthought, but they wanted it to be this thing to progress Nancy and Steve's story, and then that kind of fell apart because then Nancy kind of disappeared for a little while and she was sort of there, but not. Um, and, like, the whole ending it on the snowball... Uh, or the snowball, I guess, for me, was...
3: There's many definitions to that. Um,
2: but, like, I know they, talk, like, they talked a little bit about it, Mike and Eleven talked about it, and, like, it would have been... I think that was a big fan service thing. It was another one of those things where I said before, they're listening to us and they're making us give us what we want, but, like, that's not... It seemed cheesy to me. It like all came together and it was like everything's nice, but then they had the looming monster at the end. But it would have been cool if they were like at the arcade and it like kinda looped around or like they could have done something else or like given us more of a check-in with more characters in general, less just this here's all the boys, like finding out what it's like to get with girls and touch a boob or what have you. But um I don't know, I thought the ending was a little cheesy didn't necessarily get me pumped for another season, like, the last, like, the end of the first season did. Um, but I am still pumped for the next season. Um, and then, sort of to counter what I think, Brylan you said, like, I think the episode where uh, Eleven goes on her, like, self-discovery road trip is actually, to me at least, the weakest episode of the season, um I think it was distracting. I think it was almost it came across like a filler episode in anime. It was just like, well, here's this thing. We kind of referenced it at the beginning of the season, but here's kind of what happened. Like all of the characters besides like her and eight in that ep- 11 and eight in that episode are just cannon fodder. Like you don't care about any of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Like they all kind of suck. They're like ripped right out of Return to the Living Dead. They're just like crust punks who live on the streets <laughs> like I you know, I don't like them. I'm not going to like them. They're not even, you know, good characters, so it was kind of that whole episode was a wash to me. You could have yeah, taken it yeah. out, we could have had an eight episode season again and I would have been fine with it. The creature uh, from
3: Mimic's about to eat them and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could see that point but also uh, I think it was really good just to get away from all the other disjointed bullshit storylines that were happening in the other episodes as well. And it was good to just focus on one character and give them like some type of cohesive story through one episode.
2: Yeah, like, I think I think there should have been an 11-centric episode. Like, I enjoyed the conversation when she found out who her mom was. Like, I think those scenes were really great, and, like, her exposure to that was really great, but I think maybe they could have introduced eight, or the fact of the matter that there were, obviously, more than just one, more than just eleven. And I think that could have not even been touched until the next season. Like, it could have drawn out further. It could have been a long con. Mm-hmm. But now it almost seems like there's eight. Okay, now we see her for an episode and we're probably never going to see her again. Next season, we're probably going to see, like, ten or, like, three. We'll see another, like, random one and then it'll just be like, oh, okay, well, you know, now you're my new brother or you're my <laughs> new sister. Like, it kind of could go interchangeably. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, think I want to see more of Eleven and how she sort of matures into like a normal human being and how she learns to talk. Like for me, the the best part of that episode was her coming out of it looking like a like a hair slicked badass, but also the fact that she learned the word bitchin'. Bitch. Yeah, and like <laughs> that's, it, that's all I got from that episode was bitching. So good. But,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I think one call that I would make from your points there, Abbott, was I. You know, if we would have had like a scene if they go into the snowball. The snowball. Uh if they would have went to the snowball, they would have had their dance. They would have done their like, their thing. Uh, everything would have been the same there, and they would have been like, "Oh, well, like that's it." It was like, "Oh, how, what time is it, right?" And it's like, yeah. oh, we only have like forty five minutes till the arcade closes." Yeah. Then they all go but, into Yeah, the, like, that like, wasn't
2: the end, yeah. it would been
1: okay. Then they all like, would have gone to the arcade and at the arcade at the Shadow Monster, not the Smoke Monster, they said it. the Or they
2: times. find out that the, the lumpy nerd guy is actually is the, the Shadow, shadow monster. monster. It's weird.
3: But, oh, the Cheetos guy?
1: It would have been, like, looming over the arcade and not the school because we actually weren't even at the school. Uh, well, the, no, the, the, yeah, yeah, the yes, balls. the, he the, got, the
3: snowballs <laughs> they were.
1: Oh, yeah. For the, no, he got possessed at the school. But I think that would have been, the, if there would have been, like, some, like, middle ground there. Yeah. Uh, I think that would have been a, a little bit more sort of like just believable and like more true to the characters. And I think that's another heart from what uh, Blue Was Had talking about before. Uh, instead of like giving us one or the other, just give us a, a mixture of both because I'm sure they would have been ran and tried to get to the arcade as quickly as possible and, you know, Steve would have drove them or uh, Joyce would have drove them. Like somebody would have necessarily drove them. And it would have been awesome to see you know, 11 play her first arcade game.
2: Or then know? they find out that like the high score in Dig Dug suddenly Mad Max is two. And the first one is like smoke monster. Smoke monster. Has shadow, a monster. Score. Shadow, yeah. monster. A shadow monster. Shadow monster. Who's this mind player? So, so
0: I just looked something up cause I was intrigued on this. This has nothing to do with anything. Anyone's talking about. Do you know who Billy is? Yeah. The actor.
3: Yeah. The, the Red Ranger the Red Ranger yeah. that's well, that's, a good,
2: that's a good point because one of my only my only other uh, uh, cons is that uh, the other Power Rangers didn't show up and they didn't fight the smoke monster and the Megazord no but really <laughs> the fact that there is so much uh, uh, tension between uh, Billy and Steve I really wanted that to pay off in some like weird like Billy is in love with Steve, or like there's this strange reveal where you know things potentially happen between them. There's a lot of stuff about it online, and I think it's like that would be that would be an interesting turn. I think it's going to be. You I mean, know, they
3: showered together.
2: So. They did. They did. There was yeah, a little, we didn't we don't know what was happening off frame in that in that scene.
3: Yeah, was Billy smoking a cigarette <laughs> while playing basketball? No, I don't think <laughs> he was doing that while he was working out. I <laughs> feel <laughs> like he had like the perma cig. Every time. Like, he was at the shower, <laughs> <cigarette smoking>. <laughs> he <laughs> in the shower, cigarette smoking. The shower just completely went.
0: And he still... <laughs> just, like, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. I used to play Ultimate Frisbee with a kid who would light up uh, in the middle of it. He would be playing defense with, like, a butt hanging out of his mouth. Oh, man, if I had a nickel for every time I had a butt hanging out of my
1: mouth. There you go. <laughs> You'd have a nickel uh... later tonight. <laughs> so, uh... I- my criticisms actually have already been said. Um, I guess the only thing that I would just kind of reiterate uh, was going off of Avid's point about like a lull mem- moments And I really wish they would have maybe reorganized. And I would have, I think it would have felt a little bit less disjointed if this scene, this, uh, this season, would have started off of Elle running away, doing her self journey, doing all that stuff and then necessarily kind of coming back and when she comes back she necessarily like that's when all this other stuff like starts happening i I think it could have been like these things could have been happening simultaneous because she didn't L does not need to be in the cabin at starting like starting off. So as their stuff is actually so like in the
2: sixth, fifth or sixth episode was actually like the second or third episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. like if, I think you would, if they would have kind of shifted it, I think it would have made a little bit more better, like a little bit it would have made a little bit more sense story wise because we already started off with introducing the eight. So right in two and three, if like episode three is like kind of done and L like knows she needs to get back, or even episode four. And then from five through nine, Elle's making her way back. And then she finally comes back at like episode seven, which is fine because then there's two episodes that we have with her. I think it would have made a little bit more sense, but I think the way that we got it was there was this weird, weird kind of chunk in the middle that kind of takes us out of like, what the, what's happening in Hawkins? People are dying. Uh, So I think that would have made a little bit more sense. And I think that's, I think that'll be the arguably my my biggest sort of um, uh, criticism. Uh, also to the fact
3: that everybody on the internet is comparing Bob to Barb. Bob, no. Bob oh. is no. Bob is an amazing superhero of a man. Barb was, <laughs> was Barb was in an episode for two seconds and then she got eaten. So, so
1: you know it's uh, those were maybe like my my two things. Like like Bob was. No, Barb was useless, uh, and I think I'll listen to, you know, I have to give a shout out to uh, the Wicked Games podcast, because they often talk about this a lot, uh, but I think that's a, it's an interesting concept of Barb really was a useless character,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I would have Good st- riddance, Barb. Yeah. Yeah, one last criticism I'll say, and this kind of goes along with my, like, nostalgia and, like, creep fa- creepiness factor that was really good in season one, was, like, the whole tr- child possess drawing a big map of the city was not as creepy as the light play Mm -hmm. that they had first season it's just like a waste of paper all over a house but i like that because that also kind of gives you that care like
1: the reason why i didn't like it here is i think this is something else that they're going to be also um uh introducing is that the buyer's house has to get fucked up <laughs> every, every season, that buyer house is <laughs> getting fucked out.
3: It's an Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, and so it's we see them take this. Uh, Jimmy Gorgon is trying to kind of get out of the wall, and we have tons of lights and like freaking out, and you have this phone that keeps like sparking up and like kind of getting destroyed. To now, it takes it to well, what is this? Like we don't know what this is until Bob, the superhero, comes. was like oh. Like it's a map,
2: smart guy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. but but then we also see like all this all this stuff that's around is actually kind of a map, and multiple characters have multiple ideas of what to do. Hopper kind of picks up on it really quickly and goes into his own thing, whereas then everybody else starts formulating a plan a little bit later and says, "Oh, let's actually see if we can kind of find him there." Um, So I like that because they used it in two vastly different ways. Yes, it's still a sense of communication, uh, but I just like that they didn't do a whole lights thing all over the place they had a very subtle light moment with mama and Elle's character but they for the will for the buyer's residence they, they changed it up a little bit and I'm, and I'm glad that it wasn't you know as flat you know or it wasn't the same thing so we, they at least gave us something new did anybody else feel bad for all those pumpkins kind of yeah yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Killed yeah. a lot of pumpkins a lot of pumpkins I feel bad for the kid who got his candy stolen for, like, five bucks.
2: Not stole. I mean, five bucks in, like, 80s money is, like, three bucks nowadays. <laughs> 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 All right. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, with that, we are going to hop into grades and lasting thoughts of Stranger Things Season
3: 2, Rylan College of boy uh i'm gonna give stranger things season two a c so um i still love these characters of this world that's been created i think they lost a lot of magic that the first season had and i hope season three brings it back uh i was just like very disappointed that they took this very tight um well taught told story from the first season it made it all disjointed and broken and like made you start to care less about these characters that they built up. To me, season two should have been like the search for 11, and that should have been the whole season's motivation. And like, what is the mystery behind why the egos go into the box every night? And why do they disappear? Where is she? What's happening? And maybe tie in this giant looming ominous from the Upside Down into that. Uh, Instead, we got a very wishy-washy, uh, season that had some really cool character moments, but uh, nothing that was as compelling or significant
0: as the first season. All right,
1: I mean, I mean, I agree with you, but I respect you, my
0: friend. Yeah. Uh, blew it. Grades? Yeah, in similar fashion. Um, I give it a B minus. Uh, I think it was definitely above average entertainment. Um, my God, I hate my my grades from earlier this year. So much. I I feel like I come back to this every week. Um, it just felt like too disjointed. It was like it was beautiful to watch, and like the characters still kind of were there. You just had to like dig through a level of junk to see it. So, B minus. It was still good. Definitely recommend watching it.
1: I uh, I disagree with you, but you know, uh, Abbott uh yeah i think i
2: mean like i can echo your guys feeling about the disjointedness and i just think it's the fact that we introduced some new characters and we were hopping around a lot but again that's sort of going back to what i said that's why i liked it it's all the characters they're all interesting like i want to know where they're going and what they're doing even if it doesn't pay off it was still worth it to me because like i said it could happen like i'm excited to see what happens next i still stand by the fact that i think second season was better than the first season Mm -hmm. um so i give it an a um also uh Hopper, I haven't said anything about him, but he was again an awesome badass this whole season. And the fact that he's going to be the new Hellboy just gets me even more excited because he definitely had some great moments in this yeah. season. It's like that's Hellboy. I could totally see that being Hellboy. Just instead of like shooting off that assault rifle, he's just punching you know monsters in the face with a giant rock hand.
3: Hellboners for Hellboy. <laughs> Hellboners <laughs> for Hellboy. <laughs>
1: Uh, I am going to give Stranger Things Season 2 an A, like half plus. And I also (laughs) think that this season is better than the first season. Um, And I definitely agree with what you guys have said. I was going to say A plus before, but then I definitely kind of dropped it down. Um, There was a bit of stuff that could be necessarily fixed. But I'm at least I'm very glad that they expanded on a lot of these characters. Like, they're expanding on arguably everything. They may have expanded a bit too much, but I'm glad that they took something that we have that we were necessarily missing from the first. Whether it's a supportive, like a, a a fully functioning supportive sort of role model, and we were introduced to Hopper, who's trying to do as best as he can, but he's a flawed character. He's a badass, but he's a terribly flawed character, you know. And we've then going off and getting more information of, you know, really it was the love that that saved all these guys. You know, I, I made a choice. And I think that was something interesting to say of, you know, Lucas made a choice and Dustin made a choice and Hopper had to make a choice. And it's these difficult decisions that had to happen of, you know, Dustin's choice in the end actually saved their lives. Lucas choice in the end kind of sort of saved their lives a little bit because Mad Max kind of scared the shit out of Billy. You know, and Hopper's choice may have may not have been like the best one, but this is like in the end, like it definitely kind of kept her safe to a certain degree because w- without that, she would have never necessarily ran away. So there's a little bit that you necessarily have to see there. And I just like the character's motivation that it's like what we're necessarily doing. Like we talked about the music, we talked about the lighting, just the color palette alone. We didn't really talk about that. I think Bluett uh, talked about lighting, but lots of darks and deep reds and just. i'm just really enjoying exactly what they're necessarily doing and you have a lot of characters that they may be in this series but they don't really matter like the parents and stuff like that so i i i really really enjoyed this like i said i've watched it twice um i'm not sure which is more effective of just binging it straight because i had a blast doing that or kind of giving my giving it some time to breathe and kind of just really kind of thinking about these characters more and more um but I just really enjoyed it, and I really hope other people will. And if you don't, let me know why. You may be wrong, but still,
3: I respect that. <laughs> For the total point that Billy and that reporter exist in this season, it should never get higher than a B. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, so the Billy, the Billy's character, yes, it could have been like some kind of like an extra character and that was okay. He, he, was, not, uh, he was not as bad as like Mike's father character. That dude should not have had any lines because he was absolutely useless. Billy's character at least drove motivations for other characters, and I see that. And we also kind of get a little bit of what's kind of going on in Billy's psyche. Maybe Billy can kind of come back like Steve kind of came back in the first season. So there's ways that we can kind of get from that, and there's ways that we can kind of build from that actual character. So I get that. The reporter character, especially around that time, if they're talking about all these, like... And, and they introduce him very, very early on. If we're talking about a lot of, like, uh, theories and things that, that this is kind of happening and just branching things off, and now that the story's out, right? Now that the story's out outside of Hawkins, that's how this Hawkins is going to get more impact and more people coming into Hawkins. That also can necessarily be a build from there. So I... I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree with it because I think it still can be building off of a lot of other things that could come out from those two characters. I will continue to disagree. Yeah, I, and that's <laughs> why this is why I like you, Brian. Way more than anybody else on this podcast. Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we shall say good night. Farewell. And Bryland,
3: where can you find more of your work? Uh, you can find me um, being hateful on Twitter at Bryland B R I L U N D. You can also find me doing many movie reviews on Instagram at I am and I'm the host of the Games Cast. It's at twitch.tv slash Down Front Podcast. Every Thursday, we try to play some video games and uh, talk about some random stuff that happens on the screen while playing. Nice, uh,
1: Abbott. Where can you find more of your work?
2: Uh, I am out on the interwebs as the abs man, uh, P-H-E-A-B-B-S-M-A-N. Uh, the uh, Googles will try to tell you you're actually looking for the ass man, but don't <laughs> on that; it's going to take you to all the wrong places.
1: Or click on it.
2: Unless you're looking for that sort of... risky yeah. click. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about lots of butts later, so maybe that's what's to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I also just recently... Um, I uh, had my uh, Blade of the Immortal review come out, uh, so feel free to listen to that, that was the uh, the most recent one put up by the, the podcast, but uh, otherwise, I'm out there,
1: doing beer oh. boners.
0: Alright, Blue up the Shredder, where can you find more of your work? Yo, what's happening guys? Uh, you can find my work at My News Music, or My News Band on most major social media platforms, um... We hopefully will have finally some new music out uh, because we've been sitting on like two songs for the past year. uh, As the only thing we've released. So look forward to that. I'm sure we'll do something at some point with someone.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, We can find us. We are the Down in Front Podcast. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Google Play Store. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, We're going to be on uh, on Twitter. So underscore D-A-F-P. You're gonna see a lot of polls, a different like information. Like, definitely tweet at us as much as possible. If there's something that you don't like about the show, you don't like agree with Brylon's points because he's probably wrong the majority of the time. Tweet us and let us know. <laughs> underscore D-I-F-P. Sorry, Brylon, but it's true. Uh, I <laughs> we also have a Facebook that we do a bunch of different photos and posts as well. Uh, Facebook.com/slash Down In Front Podcast. Uh, and we also have an email, so if you want to ask us questions or if you want to be a new follower and kind of find out exactly what's happening or something that's coming up that's a big, big jump for us this week, so we're super pumped about that, definitely check us out on email, down front podcast at com. And if you want to help us keep going, if you want extra bonus materials as well as other kind of small things that we're doing, we have a Patreon. And just for the price of an Arizona iced tea, uh, sweet tea version, because... It's probably the best. Sorry. Maybe the green tea is good, too. Who knows? No, nah, Ar- Arnold Palmer's. The, well, the strawberry pink lemonade one's also pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I like the really sweet ones, obviously. There, there you go.
3: I like uh, the green tea.
1: The green tea one's good. Yeah, the green tea one's good. Yeah. Patreon.com says down in front podcast. Sign up for a Patreon. You can donate as little up to just $1. You can donate as much as you like. That's awesome. Definitely kinda help us out because it's awesome to keep doing this stuff because we will be
3: doing this as much as possible. Uh, and we are Or gonna... if I may add something, if you have a dungeon party like they do in, in Stranger Things, each person put in 20 cents. That makes a dollar. Yeah. Or invite us, and I
1: would love to play the dungeon, because I've actually never played Dungeons & Dragons. Before. That's like
0: Jesse <laughs> Rand's email address, Also, Also, I thought of this one, uh, he hasn't done this one yet, but Jesse loves Barb forever, where the four is actually spelled out F O R at Ymail.com.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go with Jesse's Cheeto fingers at Ymail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Jesse Cheeto fingers.
1: Uh, we shall bid you farewell, bid you adieu. Stay tuned for our next review. I think we're actually going to be doing a couple, so kind of keep an eye out for that, because we're looking to do The Punisher and Justice League. So, stay tuned for Just that. As-
0: One of those is going to Just- be better as- than the other.
1: Just As League. Bye. Bye.